Jesus, the bread of life. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, with the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Amen. From the very beginning, Jesus' teaching was very often, probably usually, misunderstood. And the Gospels help us with that because the misunderstandings we see around us today and the misunderstandings we find in ourselves are very much the misunderstandings that we see existed during Jesus' life. And one of the biggest, uh, one of the ones that never goes away, is the idea that Christianity is mainly about what you do. That it's saying that if you turn over a new leaf, God will be good to you. That if you keep the rules, things will be okay. And that's what the people in this passage think. And if we've ever been tempted to describe being a Christian as just seeking to live like Jesus, then we're falling into that trap. That's confusing what being a Christian is with what a Christian does. Um, slightly silly example, but I don't know if you've ever seen an article like this or a blog article. You know, 10 routines of billionaires, 10 morning rituals that are common to all billionaires. The, the idea of these articles is that these are things that all billionaires do, or all successful people, or all great entrepreneurs. 
and they tell you the wonderful things they do each morning. You know, you get up at 5 a.m., you work on your personal project, you go to the gym, you have a kale smoothie and meditate for an hour before everyone else gets up. Uh, they don't mention the bit where the um, maid tidies up after you for, for some reason, but uh, the suggestion is that if you lived a little bit more like this, if you did this, then you would be like them. And maybe, perhaps, you would be a billionaire too. Which is confusing, of course, what a billionaire does with what a billionaire is. I'm pretty sure that it doesn't matter how early I get up, I'm still not going to make billions in my own choice of career, at least. Jesus wants us to see how wrong this is, and he uses a picture. A picture to show us what Christianity is like. It's not conform your life to this pattern, not do these list of things and you'll be a Christian, but it's more like eating. He says he is the bread of life, and so we are to believe, or to use picture language, to eat. Christianity is like eating. You know, back in those days, bread was the thing you wanted at every meal. That's where you got your calories. It's where you fill up. It's where you get your satisfaction. It's a world without pasta or chips or potatoes and really not much variety. If you can't get bread, then you're dead. If you can, even if you're short on other things, you will be okay. You can still fill up, still be satisfied at the end of a hard working day. And you di as you digest it, it gives you nutrients, it gives you life. And Jesus says this, you know, if you get me, if you depend on me in that way, in the same way you depend on your bread, you will have life. You will have satisfaction too. You will have everything you need, even if all the other things are missing. Christianity is like a meal where you are given what you need. Now, if you were here for the last couple of weeks, you know that we're dropping into the middle of a passage. Jesus has just fed a huge crowd, 5,000 men plus women and children on five loaves and two fish. And then he's walked across a lake to his disciples to remind them that he can look after them, whatever the circumstances. And this crowd who have tasted that bread the day before, who have seen the miracles, they're chasing after him. And so they catch up. They're a bit flummoxed, really, because, you know, how did he get across the lake? We didn't see him get into the boat. And so we're going to see in a moment what happens when they catch up with him, what they're looking for, and what he warns them about. We'll look at it in, in four sections. If you have your, your Bible, you'll see that it falls quite naturally into these four sections. In verses 25 to 27, we see um, that he asks them a question and they answer. Um, and it's a question about what they're working for. The next section, 28 to 29, again, it's a question and answer. Again, 30 and 33, another question and answer. As the conversation goes back and fro between them and Jesus. And then again, 34 to 40. So firstly, what are you working for? Secondly, what work you need to do? And then thirdly, Jesus is the life-giving bread. And fourthly, Jesus satisfies forever. So the first thing he does is challenge them. They find him on the other side of the lake and they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? In other words, how did you get here? We didn't see you leave. But he wants, to, he wants them to realize what's going on in their own hearts. He says, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, 
but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. What I did was a sign. You know, he says, not because you saw the signs. He did these miracles, but they are signs. And the sign is not there so you can sit and admire the artwork, generally. A sign is there so you can learn something. You'd be taught something. And he's saying, you ate the loaves and had your fill. And you want more loaves. You want to sit and admire the sign. And he says to them, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. What are you after? Why are you following me? What are you aiming to get out of life? What's your great goal, your great ambition that you're working towards? Is it to get food that spoils? Just to put food on the table every day and if you can manage, good food? Or to have a nice house or a big car or great holidays and to experience the world? You know, he's not telling them to stop working for food on the table. But he is saying... Don't make that your big goal. Don't work for the food that spoils, that one day will go off, one day will let you down. Work instead for the food that endures to eternal life. Live for that, the food that the Son of Man, Jesus himself, will give you. And we can be confident, they can be confident it's real, because God has placed his seal of approval on him. That's what the signs meant, that's what the miracles pointed to, that this really was someone coming from God. And of course, these words do ask us the question, what we're living for? What dominates our dreams, our desires, our prayers? And there are many of us, I think, at times who feel day to day, we want to stay on the right side of Jesus, do the right things, so that he'll give us a helping hand with those very temporary concerns, those things we're worried about. Not that he doesn't help and love in daily life, But the day-to-day stuff is not what he's about. And when we come to him with only those things in mind, we will be disappointed. Now, if you watch the crowd through the rest of this passage, you'll see that they never really stop wanting the bread that perishes, the food that spoils. That's really what they're after all the way through, despite appearances otherwise. So secondly, what is the work you need to do, 28 to 29? They've heard him say, don't work for the food that spoils, work for the food that endures to eternal life. So the natural question they ask is, so uh, what is this work that we need to do? Uh, What must we do to do the works God requires? They say, you know, we get it, you're a prophet, you tell us to do some stuff and then you can bless us. And Jesus answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And this verse is absolutely key to the whole passage. He's saying, you know, look, I'm not looking for you to do something here. You know, obviously those who follow him should aim to live lives of love and self-sacrifice. But he's saying to them, don't think you are God's employees doing a job to get something back, to earn something from him. Don't think that by turning over a new leaf you can suddenly earn God's favor. Don't think that you can do stuff from him him, in some kind of quid pro quo. Don't think Christianity is mainly about how you believe. 
Don't confuse what Christian, Christians do with what Christians are. Concentrate on the main thing. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. God has sent someone, so trust him, listen to him, take on board what he has to say, and then rely on him to give you what you need. You know, even if we are Christians and have been Christians for a long time, it's surprisingly easy, subconsciously, to slip back into this kind of... I should stop trying to say that. Um, to slip back into that kind of wage-earning mentality. You know, you wake up one morning and you've been great the day before, you've behaved the way you should, and so you think Jesus will answer my prayers today and you naturally go and pray, but then the next day you mess everything up. You have a really rotten day, you do everything you shouldn't do, and you feel like you can't go back to Jesus yet, not till you've sorted things out a bit, not till you've cleaned things up a bit. And there is something uncomfortable about realizing that you need to go back to him for help, a bit like something uncomfortable in realizing that you're a little like that seal whose flippers just can't hold the scissors. But if we think about Jesus the way he's telling us to in this passage, we realize that when everything goes wrong, what we need is to come back for another meal, what, to come back for more bread. We've run out of fuel. We're not living the way we should because we're not relying ultimately on him. When we mess up, it's a sign we need more of him and not less. And that when we're inclined to go further away from him because we've let him down, it's only a reminder we've forgotten how freely and generously he gives. Because, as the next section tells us, Jesus is the life-giving bread, verses 30 to 33. They hear him say, you need to believe. And so they say, okay, what sign are you going to give us so we can see and believe? You want us to believe in you, trust us, trust you to do these things for us? Well, how are you going to prove it? Give us some evidence. Now, We've just heard, haven't we, that this is the crowd who've seen him feed 5,000-plus women and children. So they've seen some things. And they'd seen other miracles before as well. They'd literally eaten miraculous bread he's given them, and they're asking for a sign. And just in case they, Jesus doesn't get the hint of what kind of sign they're looking for, they, they say, yeah, you know, remember Moses, the great Testament, Old, Old Testament prophet? Well, do you remember? He gave our ancestors manna, food in the desert. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So if you're just wondering, Jesus, what kind of sign would really help us believe most? Well, the food yesterday was good, but maybe you could do one better and food that lasts a bit longer. You know, like Moses fed them for 40 years. It'd be quite nice to have that. We don't have to go to work ever again. Jesus has just told them not to go after the bread that spoils, and they're quoting the Bible back at him so they can get a free lunch. Jesus says to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. He's reminding them that the bread they got in the Old Testament all those years before through Moses, that was a sign as well pointing to something better and deeper. 
It was good in itself, but it pointed to the bread who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In other words, he's saying to them, are you willing just, just for a minute to stop trying to get lunch out of me? Just to stop and think about what the deeper thing I'm offering you here is. True life is on offer here. Bread that doesn't spoil and bread that satisfies. Come, come and eat. Of course, that's why we're in church this morning, so that we can see him and feed on him. Then, 34 to 40, Jesus satisfies forever. Jesus is going to speak a little longer here. He wants them to really get what's on offer. That there is something here worth living for. The bread that makes every true Christian and satisfies forever. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They're interested, even if they don't quite get it yet. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you want, he says, that satisfaction that bread itself points to is just a sign for? The life that thirst-quenching water is a picture of. You will find it in me. If you come to me, you will have what you need for your deepest longings and your deepest needs satisfied, even if you're not aware of those needs. You'll be hungry never again. Never be hungry again. You'll never thirst again. True Christianity is receiving from him, eating and drinking, life from him, satisfaction from him. And he says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. He will do the Father's work. No matter who you are, how bad, how empty, how tired, he has a place for you, and he will never drive you away. And 36, the Father is at work. He, the Father gives me, the Father is at work, giving people to the Son, drawing them to him. Because, 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that I will lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. So he changes his picture for a moment, from that picture of bread to, to speak a little bit more plainly. This is about everlasting life, guys. If you come to me, I will raise you up at the last day. You will not stay in the grave. The bread I give, the bread I am, gives the power of indestructible life that Jesus himself demonstrated in his resurrection. And he wants to pour that life into you and me too. For the Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. And that's a call to each of us, isn't it? That's what he's calling us to, to come and eat, to come and be satisfied by knowing him, to come and look to the Son, to gaze at him, to come and believe and to trust him to give us what we need, to rely absolutely and totally on him for the future, to make our work, our life goal, To get the life that he gives and that only he can give. To eat, to look, to come and to believe. Jesus Christ gives satisfaction. He gives life. He gives hope. Let's pray.
Father, this is a strange image. Call yourself bread. But I pray that you will give us a hunger for you. That we will see that there is something in you that can satisfy what nothing else can. And give us life that nothing else can. And rather than trying to make ourselves Christians by our efforts and our work, we pray, help us to come, to receive, to eat what you offer us, to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.